Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer and broadcaster and a lifelong fan of Scott Walker. In fact, on the day I decided to become an interviewer, after talking with another of my heroes, Leonard Cohen made me feel positively transcendent and determined to track down more of my heroes to talk with. First on the list was Scott. At that point, all I'd published about the man was a review of his album, Climate of Hunter. So you can imagine my delight a decade later when, during our interview, he told me he remembered and really liked that review and that it helped him define for himself his music at that point. And imagine how thrilled I felt in 2003 when I learned that Scott wanted to include in his box set Five Easy Pieces a 1990 critique I wrote of his life and work. That critique is now available on Amazon and elsewhere in its entirety for the first time in a digital magazine called Scott Walker, The Fugitive Kind. As part of its backstory, I tell the tale of how I originally became a fan of the man. So, by way of a lead-in to Scott talking about his earliest recording sessions with the Walker Brothers, and to try and get across to you how much it meant for me to be finally sitting talking with Walker himself about such things, let me read for you part of the backstory of The Fugitive Kind. It's written in the style of the young boy I was at the time. I first became vaguely aware of Scott Walker in May 1965 when the Walker brothers entered the British Top 30 with their single, Love Her. I was an Elvis fan, and frankly, as a kid barely into my teens, I did not love or even like Love Her. It was slow. I preferred up-tempo tunes like Elvis's old single, I Need You Love Tonight, that had turned me onto real rock and roll. Similarly, three months later, when Make It Easy On Yourself entered the charts, my favourite song was Satisfaction. And later again, at Christmas dances, I was more likely to be seen raving to my generation and not having a slow dance to My Ship Is Coming In, much as I wanted to be held by any girl in groups I was too shy to approach. Sadly, soon afterwards, the age of innocence began to end for me. Fights between my folks became more frequent. Then my father left home, and I became depressed for the first time in my life. Suddenly, I wanted to hear only slow songs, such as Elvis's Lonely Man. Then I really listened for the first time to the Walker Brothers' latest single, The Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. And when Scott sang, A Deep Shade of Blue is Always There, I got it. And I loved his voice. He, as with Elvis, seemed to understand what loneliness was all about. And now, here's Scott. And much of it was uh, designed, I'll aspect her as in love her, as in... Well, that, was, that would have been designed by Nick Vinay. Right. Uh, I think they were trying to, to get that market. And so, you know, we just basically... Uh, it's the, 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 it's the story is true. I had the lower right. voice, so I was picked right. for that right. that, for that thing, yeah, lead singer. Yeah. So, uh, and it just fell into that formula, basically. But it was a formula, and it was a straight jacket sure in time. Sure was. I mean, yeah. which, like, make it easy on yourself, it just became the doom-laden kind of uh, uh, projection of the same. It's like we said, we were just piling it on. After a while, we just got more and more. See, uh, the thing that I was able to do was to bring that sound in a sense over here, because... Peter Olaf, great engineer who had been do, doing Dusty Springfield and all, all these right, people, right. but he didn't quite have it. He he had a wonderful idea of it, but he didn't quite have it right. 
and I knew what was going on in the bottom, and that's what made it complete when I came in with... What do you mean in terms of the bottom? Well, the bottom, well I, well, what Spectre did was to use uh, two basses, right. an upright and electric. Right. Then he used two or three keyboards playing the same thing. Two, one would be an upright piano, one would be a, a grand piano, and the other thing would be a harpsichord. And they all played the same thing. Okay. And, and the same notes, the same. Yeah, the same thing. Right. And so basically, uh, and then he used two or three, maybe three guitars, maybe right. sometimes four. Right. So what I did was, uh, when I came in, Peter was just using the basic guitar, bass, drums, whatever, two drummers sometimes as well, right. Right. playing the same thing. So uh, I just brought that element into it, and that filled it out, the bottom end. So. And you were given the freedom to do that. I mean, that, that you, were only, you, were, you were relatively young. I know how it would work, because I've been through, yeah, I know how all that worked, you see, because I'd worked out. They were very receptive. I, I right. wanted what they wanted, and they wanted what I had. The, the Walker Brothers sound was comprised. We had even an extra element, which was in John France, because Phil can't read music. Right. John, John could read charts, and so we had everything... If we could have had longer, if we could have had the weeks that Phil took to make one record, we only right. had four songs in the session, right. we could right. have made right. better records. But we had a better overall balance because we had we have a much more better orchestral balance because of John than I was working on the bottom rhythm in, and then Pete was just getting that whole thing together. Right. So between the three of us, it was a good marriage. So you, so you say, I mean, some of those things like Make It Easy are still rated as some of the best pop singles of their time made mm. in Britain. Yeah. Do, do, do you, you know... Can you stand I, back far enough to say? Oh yeah, that? yeah. I think they. I think. Uh, I think "Sunny Gonna Shine" anymore is one of the best pop singles ever made. I would say. Dude, I hate to. Okay. I hate to say no, that, but I mean. Right. And I actually had to to argue to get it. We cut it one time, on one of these four tunes in the session thing, right. and it didn't work out because guitar player that was hard that day was particularly cheesy. So I said, the, and since he leaves it, I said, no, no, we've got to to do it again. I, I know this is going to be a big record. We've got to do it again. So they said, okay, and they called a half session, which was cheesy, and we brought in, <laughs> we got the right musicians, and we did it again, of course it was. A bit were they really that tight fit? Oh, yeah, they were really, John France was a company man all the way down the line, and it had to be four tunes in a session, and that did not end until I left Phillips. That is, that's astounding. Yeah. You know, that, that you were able to operate within those uh, restrictions. And, and I still would like to work on my feet today because of it. I still get a little nervous right. if, I'm, if I'm taking too much time to make a record. I like to make them fairly quickly, you know. Not that quickly, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, to actually, to, to actually create work uh, out of those kind of... And I talked also to George Martin, who told me the ludicrous story of how much he was paid for, like, the arrangement on yesterday. Have you seen that? No. Like, he was not... He was on a salary of two grand a year, so he got two pound ten for the arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he said he said I did better for uh, I no, what was the famous one where they cut the tracks and mixed them and the pace was out? Strawberry Fields. Yeah, he said they gave me a tenner for that. They thought I did a well, those were the, good job. Those were the days, you know. Where, I think it was really... seen as just basic product being churned out by major record companies. Well, that's just the way they made records here. Whether it was seen as cynically as that, I don't know. But everyone's record was made that way here. So why didn't they At least kill you? You said you wanted a, an organ for Archangel. Because you don't have a heart it was, a, it was unbelievable what I had to, to go through. And that's why I have the frustration, you know, and uh, in, in sort of the uh, all blood, sweat and tears that people write about was just getting things done, right, you know. Right, the despair in your voice was maybe part of it. But what you, 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 went, you went down to a cinema, I believe, and... and, and the Empire, uh, Leicester Square. Empire and recorded the sound of that <clears throat> organ for Archangel. Yeah, they, they, they hung two, uh, you know, uh, those things painters use on the, for the sides of buildings. They Scaffold, hung, scaffolding? Scaffolding. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Pete was on, Peter Olaf was on one of those bloody things just to get it down. 
It was amazing. Uh, things we did. But do things like that. I mean, the, do, uh, Archangel is, is is again highly rated as one of those uh, uh, gothic works of of in a time of pop where goth was not being created. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, sure. you were okay. kind of jumping over to the dark end when it, it, it moved against the tone of the times, let alone, let alone the time, yeah. the tone of the uh, music industry. Yeah. So some of that stuff must be uh, somewhat still, uh, if, you, if you don't dare to listen to it, it should have some kind of uh, worth to you. Well, it, it, like I'm not, I'm not saying... Archangel is like an embryonic yeah. form. Yeah, I know. Right. I'm not saying that. It, I'm not saying these things don't have worth to me. It's that I just haven't been able to bring myself to, go back to, them. to do it yet. You know, I will one day. You know, not perhaps. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. Don't forget, the Fugitive Kind is available as a digital magazine. And if you want to check out some of my other articles, check my website, JoeJacksonInterviewer.com.